This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor. Send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Hey there, friends. Welcome into episode 24 of Press Pass. I am Kayla Anderson, joined by the lovely Gabriella Giovanni. And Ella, I know that it's been a little bit of a chaotic week for you because you've been moving and such, but I know that you have been able to keep up with your sports this week, even if it was in a loud truck driving back to Philadelphia. <laughs> it's been it's been crazy for sure, but Kayla, it's draft week. It sure is. And guess what? Yeah, I, I'm like a I'm like a new human this week. I, well, and I wish you I really and we try to make this happen, you guys, but I wish Ella was yeah. able to be here in Nashville um, for the draft because it's it's just really amazing, Ella, to see it come together. I think that's the most crazy part to me because I've watched Broadway and where they've built the stage. I've watched it over the past week transform into what it is. And it's right. it's incredible, just the process that you have to go through to get a city ready. Oh, it's insane. And, you know, it's so different than all of the years it was in at Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. It, it was in New York at Radio City for... A, a million years. And so this is a newer thing where it kind of hops around city to city, but I think it's cool. I think it's good for the NFL. Um, so I'm jealous that you get to be a part of it and witness it. And for those who don't know, Kayla will be on the red carpet this week. I will be. And we are, it's hard to like describe to you if you aren't, if you aren't in like local news and you don't know how that really goes, but we're the ABC affiliate here in Nashville, Tennessee. So we're technically like the draft station. So we're doing so much. Uh, we have been doing so much. And this week is just going to be crazy in terms of what we're putting together. But yeah, Thursday, I got the assignment, which I'm so stoked about because I've never done a red carpet event. And I don't care to do one in entertainment, but I care to do one in sports. And so this is a pretty cool thing to do. So I was telling Ella, I just got my shoes for my outfit. And this is like, this is the only time I ever plan out anything like this is when there's like something big. And so I was just telling her, I'm so excited because I got my outfit. It's complete. But yeah, it'll be cool. Some cool interviews. Awesome. I'm looking forward to, you know, meeting and, and, and talking with a lot of like really big time athletes on that red carpet. So it'll be fun. I know. I'm just excited to see where, where everyone goes. I'm excited to see some of the teams that make some kind of mid-draft yeah. uh, trades and adjustments. I love the drama. I love when that when that goes down. I wanted to ask you real quick, because we just had our hour-long special last night, Ella, um, on our news mm-hmm. station. It was all dedicated to the draft. I wanted to ask you who you really like this year 
Um, and I, it doesn't have to be somebody who's going number one overall. I just want your opinion on who you really like in the draft. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, you could say Kyler Murray. Which, do you know what's which, well? Do you know what's really interesting about this draft, though? It's so different from last. Oh, year's it's draft. incredibly different. Last year, you had all the flashy quarterbacks. Yeah. You had, and not just quarterbacks. You had quarterbacks that are going to be the new crop of quarterbacks when the older guys are on their way out of the league. Right. You know, these aren't these aren't just guys that are that are those backup quarterbacks for their whole career. I mean, these are the new name quarterbacks yeah. for, for years and years and years to come. And I think that was that was pretty special because you don't always get that. Nope. And then this year, you have, you know, those few quarterbacks, the Kyler Mary, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, but it's defense yep. heavy, edge rusher heavy, yep. you that's know? All about and the I edge. And I think that's in, it's all about the edge. And I just think, you know, that's so interesting. There's a lot of teams that need ed rush, edge rushers, but there's a lot of teams that need running backs, yeah. you know? And, and running backs are hard to come by in the draft because you don't always have the Zeeks and the Saquon Barkleys. I mean, those are few and far between. So teams have to be really creative this year in, in what they really need. And, and being creative on kind of those guys that aren't big names entering the draft, but who can become NFL stars if you do the right thing with them. And that's what it's all about. I talked to Titans general manager John Robinson this week. I was just asking them about, you know, they're, they have the 19th pick overall, and they always really go for the needs over the best available player. And mm-hmm. they're just a team that always wants to have, you know, a good pass rush. And so for them, that's kind of the focus. But at the same time, Ella, like you had just mentioned, they could see somebody they really like that they've, that they've had visit them. And, and Mm -hmm. who knows, they could trade up for someone that's not a pass rusher. You you just never know. That's the beauty of the draft because it just unfolds naturally and organically. Right. Yes. And obviously there's a lot of, talk and buzz about Kyler Murray and and what the Cardinals are going to do and where Nick Bosa is going to go. Those top few picks are going to be really interesting how they play out, what the Giants do, because, you know, they've been so vocal about not needing Eli's replacement yet. I disagree with that, but it will be interesting if if they stick to that or not, you know? Um, where Dwayne Haskins goes, and not just because he was an Ohio State quarterback. I've always liked Dwayne Haskins, you know, this past year. Um, so I'm excited to see where he goes. Uh, obviously, Quinnen Williams is a huge name, uh, and he's just a good personality. He's a he's a funny guy. He's very much himself. I always think of that moment uh, right before Oklahoma was playing Alabama, and he was asked about Kyler Murray, and he almost yeah. started kind of not bashing him, but he was going to say something negative, and he and he stopped dead in his tracks, like he saw like Nick Saban's face glaring at him you know it's just and he's 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 a good football player so that will be really interesting it's just cool you know you get to watch people just their lives change forever in in one instant well before we get into this week's guest we wanted to really quickly go over our winners of the week and because it is stanley cup playoffs time and we're in the midst of it uh i think both of us actually our winners of the week are teams in the National Hockey League, right? Yeah, mine's a team slash city. Yes. One of my <laughs> one of my favorite, if not favorite cities. Yes. Do you want to do yours first or do you want me to go? Yeah, go for it. So mine was the city of Columbus, really. Seabus. So for Seabus. For those who don't know the Columbus Blue Jackets, 
swept the Tampa Bay Lightning, which was unexpected, incredible, in- incredible. Yeah, right. But they made it onto the second round of the Stanley Cup, pe- Stanley C- Cup playoffs. Whoa, say that, which times. has never been done before in the history of of the franchise. Never been done. Isn't that crazy to think they never made it past the first round? Crazy. But what they've done for the city, mm-hmm. Kayla, has has truly unified the city. I mean, it's a great city in the first place, but the, the buzz around this team and people want to see this team go all the way. You know, Columbus is a place where, yes, it revolves around Ohio State football, right. but to see, a te- to see a team take over the city the way the Blue Jackets have, they held an open practice on Monday morning. Over 6,000 people showed up on a Monday morning to watch the Blue Jackets practice yeah. ahead of round two. Torts goes, Torts and his presser goes, hey, does anyone in this city have to work? Like, <laughs> but seriously, it's awesome. But it's awesome. And, and honestly, to me, I truly believe this that that pays off for the for the guys because oh, yeah. they see they're they're it's it becomes concrete that they're playing for so much more than themselves yeah, yeah. and if that's not motivating to see over six thousand people show up on a Monday morning to watch you practice yep. I don't know what I'm telling and I can't I can't wait to see them I'm telling keep going. you right now I never ever doubted the Blue Jackets and. I have this really good feeling that they have a lot of hockey left to play. And yep. so do not be surprised. I'm saying it here right now. Do not be surprised to see him in the Stanley Cup final. I'm just saying. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I said it here first. Um, Whoa. Yeah. And we, we can quote that on Twitter too. If well, you oh, want. We'll, we'll quote we'll it everywhere. Quote that. Um, I real quickly, my winner of the week is the Colorado Avalanche. And okay. I, um, or I'm sorry, not the Colorado Avalanche. I'm sorry. There's so many. Whoa. There's so many teams that are like impressing me in the playoffs. I know. They probably know. would be my subpar to my uh, winner of the week, who is the St. Louis Blues. And what I have to say about this team is they were in dead last place in the division at like the midpoint of this season. And to do what they have done, not only to climb back up and even make the playoffs, but to be playing the type of hockey they are playing. And on top of it, go on to beat Winnipeg, who was really the division favorite The besides the Predators. I think that Winnipeg was a little bit more of the division favorite towards the middle of the season. Um, and they just dominated the series. I mean, it was, they played like they could win the Stanley Cup in that first series. And so for that... I am going to make the St. Louis Blues my winner of the week. I just think it's so impressive. They fired their head coach too during the season. This is, yeah. I, I mean, the whole story is incredible. It just mm-hmm. goes to show when you start playing hockey, good hockey, and clicking at the right time, that is all that's that matters. That's what it's about. That's all yes. that matters. Clicking in the at the right time. And, yep. and that's what the Blue yep. Jackets are doing. That's what the Blues are doing. That's what the Abs are doing. Uh, these are just teams that have a really good chance to go far. So, uh, yeah, winners of the week. I like it. I love it. All right. So we're going to get into our guest of the week. And it's very cool story, Ella. Um, it's tied with a little bit of baseball in with some art. And it has a little bit of everything, I guess, when it comes to a, an interview and just a really, really cool person. So I'll let you do the honors of introducing our next guest. 
Next, we would like to introduce to you a very special guest, a former professional baseball player who was drafted in 2012 by the Chicago White Sox, founder of the company CoArt. Please welcome Micah Johnson. Micah, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Well, we are a sports podcast, obviously, but there are so many more layers to you that go far beyond your professional sports career that we're excited to dig deeper in with you today. But let's start with the sports talk first. You played your college career at Indiana, then was drafted in 2012 to the White Sox. You made your major league debut in 2015. What was that road like leading up to seeing your first action in the bigs? Uh, I, I can't lie to you. I was pretty fortunate. Um, I got up pretty quick. Um, so it, it was it was fun. I mean, the modern leagues is kind of like where you build like the most camaraderie. Um, I went from low A to high A to double A in the same year. Oh, wow. So the camaraderie really wasn't there. But at the same time, uh, we won the championship that year in double A. Um, and those guys were some guys I played college baseball with or from, grew up with. So it was kind of cool. Um, I was pretty fortunate. Um, it wasn't too strenuous, um, mm-hmm. even though the pay was terrible. But mm-hmm. the experience was still um, still one of my most memorable times, even including the big leagues. Wow. Yeah, and it, it's so crazy because you said, and thanks for being honest too, because I've I've covered baseball my whole entire career, and I've covered every step of the ladder, and I have seen guys like you who have got have been really fortunate and have been really able to get up to the the majors in a couple of years, and then I've seen guys that have literally had to climb every single you know rank of the ladder to get to to the bigs, even maybe not even make it there yet. So um, it is it is a different journey, I guess, for everyone, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to let's be honest. I mean, the you get drafted and you're on a high horse and they pay you a six figure bonus after taxes ends up being five figures. Right. So like you think you've mm-hmm. made it the five <laughs> figures, in the real, five figures in the real world after you invested is really nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you play in the minor leagues for X amount of years, getting paid $800 a month or 1200 or whatever it is. Um, I think it's like 2,500 in AAA um, a month for just six months out of the year. Uh, it's really a grind because then you, you have to support, you know, some guys have families and um, you have to support your family you have to pay a mortgage. You have to pay your rent while you're still playing in that city you're playing in. When you're in the minor leagues, you basically are paying to play. What organizations do is they use players as like fillers, right? So they have like two or three prospects at each level and then the rest of everybody else is fillers. Right. They're getting, and they pay them, you know, 2000 bucks a month. All right. Mm-hmm. So you're making $12,000 a year. I mean, that's like an interns, like you pay interns that, you know? Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So the system is broke. I don't think there will ever be a change unless people say, okay, this isn't not, this isn't good enough anymore. Like th- that's not okay anymore. Right. We want we want to change. I mean, it's a, c- a complete grind as a professional athlete to to like try to work on your craft, pay um, your off season like training and all that, mm-hmm. and then just try to get to the big leagues when you know in your heart that the team doesn't consider you a prospect or anything like that. Going back to your journey, you know, from Chicago, you were you had made stops in L.A., Atlanta, Tampa Bay, also uh-huh. playing, like you had mentioned, in some minor league systems, battling injuries along their way. So uh-huh. explain to us what the uh-huh. years from, like, the draft day in 2012 until the end of that 2018 season have been like for you. There we go. Because it's obviously <laughs> been 
you know, just a lot of different things in that short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I'm the type of person where I, I just take everything with a grain of salt and I just keep moving forward. Nothing ever like weighs me down. You know, it's just like another thing. Yeah. I had a lot of injuries, but like they weren't injuries that I could control, like nerve damage right. and your, you know, your nerve pops out of place. Like I can't do anything about that. Then having to fold my tricep in half, I can't do anything about that. My hamstring and all that, um, detaching because I took a swing and it was raining and my leg got stuck in the, in the dirt. So I, I just keep moving forward. My wrist shattering and when I was in Atlanta, um, oh, wow. none of that stuff bothered me because it was like, that's just part of it. And that's just going to make me even like more successful in whatever I do in this life because I'm able to harness those kind of like experiences and just keep moving forward. A lot of people, not a lot of people, but some people would like, well, I could have made this much money if I didn't get hurt my last year in college. You know, I was supposed to be right. a top three round draft pick, but I was right. a fifth round pick. And I lost, you know, $600,000. Like, I never thought like that. Like, it, just never, it never even crossed my mind because it's just like, well, I'll make my money up on the, on this end and it just will make me stronger. Um, right. So, like, this journey to like from 2012 to 2018, it was like, um, I just wanted to get there as fast as I possibly could and prove everybody yeah. else wrong who didn't think yeah. that I could play at that level. I mean, I played in the Cape Cod League, which is like a, some like exclusive like summer league. Oh, yeah. Where like yeah, yeah. Top players get sit after college. And I remember my college, my 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 summer league coach came up to my house, my my um, host house, and was like, "Hey, uh, you got a second to talk?" And I'm like, "Yeah, what's up?" And he was like, "I don't." He goes, "I don't think you're good enough to play in this league." I think you're. I think you'll be a high pick, but I don't think you're gonna have to play this league. So, like, I'll, I'll never forget that, even until the day wow. I die, because I don't really care who you are. Like, I don't know who you are. I don't care who you are. But yeah. you kind of dictate like what I'm gonna do in this world. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of use that as motivation to get to where I want to be as fast as I possibly can. So, like, mm-hmm. I got drafted in 2012, made my debut in 15, got hurt halfway through 14, got surgery in 13 to reattach my nerve and I still made it in what a year and a half. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> so it was like, when you do the math, that is wow. Yeah. And I was playing and the planes were flying over my head and the flag was stretched across the field. And I was there and they announced my name. I was batting ninth, uh, in the starting lineup on opening day against the team that was just in the world series. So like, wow. you're not going to tell me what I can, and cannot do. I was just, I just, was right. gonna, I just was going to do it, you know? Yeah. Right. So, so that was my well, career journey. You recently announced that you are moving on from the game of baseball. As incredibly difficult as that decision had to have been for you, when did you know your t- your time had come to hang it up? Uh, last year, when I when I went into camp with Tampa, right? Tampa traded for, traded for me from San Francisco. San Francisco got me from Atlanta. There was a bunch of like off season moves. Yeah, and I don't know what I hit in spring training, but I hit better than a lot of people. Right, like I, I was hitting the ball hard, and the only time I got out I was like a line out to somebody, and they called me in the office like a week and a half left in spring training. I was like, "Hey, you're not going to make the team. We need a right-handed bat. Um, you know, you really showed us what you could do." That's when I knew, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And as, as sad as that sounds, like, you know, people are like, "Oh, you could have kept grinding it out," but no, like, I knew that, like, I'm done having people tell me that, like, when I do better than a you know, the expected level that they were looking for, that it's not good enough or they, they want somebody else, regardless of how well I can play, that's when I knew I was done. I was like, I'm ready to be in control of the outcome. And I'm not some, like, bitter person who, like, 
was just played baseball because he was good at it. I wasn't good at baseball. I just really worked harder than everybody. Yeah. Else. Yeah. Like, like when I had a free moment or like when I, uh, my parents, like my parents couldn't afford gas sometimes to take me to practice. And I would get mad at them. Cause like, I was like, I want to practice, you know, but they couldn't afford to take me because we were like, we were playing like an hour away or practicing an hour away right. and they didn't to get to work that week. I'm a person who loves baseball, loves work. So like when you tell me that like I didn't do good enough, but I know I'm out, I, I can look and I know I did good enough and I didn't make the team. That's when I said, I'm done. I told him that. I said, I don't feel like playing anymore. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that had to be a, a tough conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, but – but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of external stuff that happened as well that I had going on in my personal life. But it was pretty easy for me because it was like, okay, baseball is just a thing, right? Like, yeah. if you're an accountant, you're not going to be like, I was an accountant my whole life, and I hung my hat on that I was an accountant, or I was a reporter, or I was like this and that. You're going to have different things in your life that you're going to hang your hat on. Baseball right. is something that like people celebrate, and professional athletes are something that people celebrate. Um, because of the status, but I didn't care. Like, I'm just not going to hang my hat on that. My parents raised me right. to be well-rounded and have different interests. So like, I didn't, yep. I wasn't going to just, I wasn't okay with not, but doing, doing what I needed to do, performing the way I needed to perform and, and saying, you, you know, that's not good enough. I'd rather go control the outcome. When you look back at your career, Micah, I mean, for you, what was one of the most memorable parts of it? I mean, what are you most proud of? Probably honestly, like double A, like double A, like big leagues. Making it to the big leagues was cool, mm-hmm. only because my, only because it, it, it just solidified like my family's sacrifice and my friend's sacrifice. Some of my closest mm-hmm. friends made it to made it to opening day and all that. But double A, when um, I got called up, the hitting coach, uh, we had a play on our team named Marcus Simeon, who was in the big leagues at that point as a September call up, and they gave me his number. And my hitting coach was like, "You'll never be Marcus Simeon." And I was like, okay. And I went out and won the MVP of the championship, right? So, like, we won the championship. My first year, my first professional season, I was the MVP of the AA championship. I, I think I stole, like, 10 bases in the playoffs, which was, like, five games. And the, the guys around me were, like, really supportive. And, like, it was just a really fun time because – some of these guys I went to college with, so like they saw that at 2 a.m. after the bars, we would go over to the hitting facility and hit. You know, right. <laughs> we had the philosophy that if you can, if you can, if you're drunk enough and you can see two balls, you, you, it's pretty easy to get one. So they knew what, what I was doing to get there. You know, so right, like, right. so when I won that, it was like that was one of the most memorable times of my like life was playing with those guys and like winning that championship and like proving all these people who like, I wasn't this, I wasn't that. And just doing it, you know, who cared? Yeah. Like, it was double A. Like, nobody really cares in the scheme of the world, but that night, like we were like, you couldn't tell us anything different. Right. That's awesome. That's hilarious. Um, well, during your playing days, you started dabbling a little bit in art on the side. What first sparked your interest to dive into a hobby that was so different from your everyday life as an athlete. You know what it was? It was um, in spring training. Um, when I got traded to the Dodgers, my manager called me up to the front and he did this every single morning, which was like one of the coolest things I've seen a manager do was like introduce yourself, right? Like tell us something about yourself. And Dave Roberts 
was the manager and he was like super inclusive when it comes to players. And I just got really nervous because I was like looking around. There was like Chase Utley, Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, uh, Clay <laughs> yeah. Kershaw, you know, all these superstars, which I wasn't accustomed to. Like in Chicago, it was like Chris Sale and Jose Abreu, you know? He's like, what do you like to do? I, I just remember like in the off season, I had like dabbled like with some paint. So I was like, uh, I don't want to say piano because I had a feeling he let me play piano. So I just said paint. <laughs> He said, okay, make a painting of Maury Wills. And Maury Wills is like this legend in, in um, baseball who was in camp with us, like, you know, talking to us. I've always I always worked with. So I made a painting of Maury Wills. And I really, really took my time. But, like, I made it with, like, elementary paints and stuff. And, oh, wow. And my teammates were like, wow, man, this is really good. You know, this is so yeah. cool. Like, I presented to everybody. And everybody's super supportive. You know, like any artist, right? Like looks back and like at their previous works, like that's terrible. That's I can't believe you made that. I look back, like that's the worst painting I've ever done. Really? But the, yeah, but like the hope that the hope that those people gave me, like kicked my career to art. Like I, like, like yeah, like it's almost like a, a testament to life. Like if you just tell people they're doing well or just like encourage them, like they're gonna do well. Like just give them a chance, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how painting got started. Wow. Did, I mean, did you ever see your work as an artist translate to the field, like mentally or emotionally? I mean, it, art is such a powerful thing. Yeah. I mean, some of the best work I've ever done, I got to be really honest with you. Um, last spring training, when I was like playing really, really well, the best baseball I've ever played in my life, uh, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder too. Wow. And, and I wasn't sleeping. And it was like a thing where I was accustomed to, like where you just don't sleep, but you're never tired. Yeah. You, just, you, you just keep up, you just work and you're never tired. It's like, it's almost like the best thing on earth. It's like natural Adderall. And yeah. last spring training, when I wasn't sleeping, I, I, maybe it was sleep 30 minutes a night, 20 minutes a night, oh maybe. My gosh. But I made one of the, one of the most, like one of the best paintings I've ever made. And then I had a whole show at like the Hyde Museum in Atlanta where I created it in like a week and a half. I didn't sleep. And I, and while I was playing with the Braves, yeah, it translated because it like was my release, you know, like it was like, sure. I'm going here, I'm going to paint, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to train my mind to like, just escape all this, all this stuff that people are saying about me, how bad I am and all this, I can't play defense, whatever. I don't think about that when I paint, I just focus yeah. on smooth lines and like clean artwork, you know. Is it therapeutic? Yeah, I mean. I don't, I don't care who you are. If you, if you find some kind of creative outlet, it's therapeutic, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't care if it's art or it's poetry or it's writing down like the story, your story, like whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's therapeutic because like nobody likes talking about themselves to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, if you can express it in a different way, then like you get it out, you know, instead of bundling it all up. And that, that's a whole mission of what I'm on now. It's just like showing people that like, Creativity is cool because it just gives you a chance to like express what, how you're feeling. If that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. Well, that, that definitely brings us to CoArt, your company. You founded the company and are now solely focusing on building this company since your playing career is over. Walk us through kind of the idea to first create the company and all that it encompasses because it's not just... I think when people think of, you know, your art company, they think you're creating art and selling it. It's so much more than that. Yeah, it's definitely more than that. I mean, it's my vision of what creativity is supposed to be. Co-art came about because I understood the importance of creativity, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It it had an impact on my life when 
I'm a baseball player. Like, like people would always say, like, it's so cool that you're a baseball player that you paint. Like, if an accountant was painting, would you think that was cool? Yeah, no, no, that's, <laughs> right. no, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. So why is it so cool that I'm painting? Like, because yeah, I, yeah. if I have good hand-eye coordination, that's supposed to be like dope to you. Like, yeah. that, 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 that didn't make sense to me. So, like, I was like, I want to make a, I want to make a company where, like. You know, A, the art market is, like, um, very daunting, right? Like, if you walk into a gallery, there's no prices. You know, you don't, you're, like, embarrassed, like, to ask about a price and stuff like that. Um, you don't really know what's good art, what's bad art. Um, you, you don't know, like, how to go to the museum, where to go. Like, none of that is, like, relevant to people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I was like, okay, well, let's just make a solution where I bring together people who, want to experience art, but just want to experience it at their own pace, you know? Mm-hmm. So co-art, like, it, uh, it's like a multi-channel, like, art experience for, like, global users. Based on, like, user preferences and location, we kind of facilitate the purchase of art. Also, based on, like, location, we can kind of curate you to art exhibits or art museums near you. So, like, if you land in a different city, oh, that's so cool. we can send you a notification, like, hey, uh, because you liked this kind of art, you should check out this art gallery or this art museum while you're here. Yeah. You know, it just guides people, it gives them suggestions of where to go. So it's not like we're not forcing art upon you. We're just kind of like suggesting if you- Sure, guiding the experience. Yeah, because like a lot of companies, what they do nowadays, they have all this technology and this access to data, they, they abuse it. So like- right. They'll just mass send you messages and stuff like that. And that's not cool, you know? Like, if, if a company sends you a bunch of messages, you're going to be like, I'm not doing that, man. Just despite them. Yeah, yeah. But we just provide, like, a, just a nice, easy avenue to find art. Like, if you need art on your wall at your apartment for 500 bucks, you come to us because you know our art is good and it's, it's hand curated. Or yeah. if you wanted this experience art museum because you're in, you visiting New York, like, Hey, check out this museum or check out this art gallery. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to go on a date, you want to impress somebody with your eclectic abilities, <laughs> you can guide them to a certain gallery museum, you know, like, oh, wow. You know all the information about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So are you, I have to ask, are you a, a, a collector of art? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Okay. I like, I like collecting art. Um, but I'm, I'm also, I'm also like a real I'm not so. I'm not like a art snob, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I, I collect art because I like it, a, and b because it's good art. And yeah. good art, in, in good art, the value of good art always goes up. So in it's time, funny. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say in time, like the good art I have, like the value will go up. And if my daughter wants to sell art, you know, like sell the painting one day, like she be all right for her life because I, I'm an <laughs> artist's abilities. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Do, do you get her involved? Does she like to paint? Like, does she, not I mean, yet. I know she, as a kid. She, okay. She, my daughter, my daughter was going to be on this earth on, in September. So like, Oh my gosh. Um, congratulations. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 So she'll that's like, awesome. she has no options. She'll be painting. <laughs> <laughs> she'll have a paintbrush in her hand. She'll have a golf club and a paintbrush. That's it. <laughs> right. And no boyfriend. And no boy, no yeah, she's gonna be a daddy's girl. That's for sure. That's right. Uh, 
You know, Micah, when 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 you touched on the the point of, I love this point that you brought up that you said, you know, why is it so weird that like I was an athlete and that I liked art or that I could or I could paint or whatever. And it's it's such a stereotype that if you're an athlete, that's all you do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the society we live in. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess how how do we change that in a way to to make these athletes not just somebody that people are looking at as like, oh, they're making millions of dollars and that's all they do, you know, because it's it, it that's not how it is. You know, I think I think it will change because I think athletes are becoming more aware of this like constraint. Yeah, like constraint yeah. around them. Like you're just an athlete, you're dumb, you didn't graduate college, yeah. so like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, we didn't graduate college because we had an opportunity to make money and provide for our family. You're right. We right. did it. But like at the same time, we're not stop we didn't stop learning. You know. Yeah. So I think a lot of athletes, like you look at like CJ McCollum or like Kevin Durant or Andre Iguodala and Willie Colley Stein, like all these guys who are doing more outside LeBron, like doing more yeah. sort of out of their right. board. Um, they are kind of raising awareness of like, okay, yeah, we we are really good at a sport, like literally yep. a sport and an occupation, but we also can do this at the same time. So I think. Mm-hmm them by them stepping out of the box a little bit is kind of like going to bring eyes to it and i think the stigma will change a little bit uh, yeah it'll definitely change i 100 percent agree I, and i think with co-art our mission is to incorporate those kind of people and give them a platform to kind of highlight yeah. what they're doing off the field so like right. you know I, you know i know there's like the players tribune and uninter- uninterrupted and, and platforms like that which are, which are amazing but um which provide a platform for creativity so like Willie, yeah. Call, Willie Cauley-Stein is like a really good painter, right? Like, um, oh, wow. really, really, really good. Uh, you give him a platform where he can kind of exhibit that artwork. And, and, you know, like, he's like me, we're, we're artists. We want to talk about our art. We don't really care about talking about our sport. We do that. We've done that for 20-some years. We want to talk about this artwork. So, you know, you just get people like that involved and kind of like give, him a, give them a platform. And then I think the stigma will change a little bit. Um because people right now, I mean, uh, they're just really stuck in their ways, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I knew Kayla was going to bring that up because I was going to bring up the same thing. Well, when, you said, <laughs> when you said, you know, if an accountant was a painter, no one would think anything yeah. of it. Uh-huh. Because one thing that Kayla and I always talk about, um, you know, for what we love about our jobs is we love sports and that's why we got involved with it. But you fall way more in love with it when you actually get to meet athletes as people Mm. and not athletes and that's what I love about it because yeah we get to deliver the x's and o's and I'm I love talking x's and o's I can Mm -hmm. do it all day but there's something about the the human side of it that makes it just so much more exciting and I don't even think that word does it justice um but that you know that's even what inspired us to do this podcast is to tell those stories far beyond what you've done on a on a baseball diamond, you know? X and O's are fun. Like I like talking to X and O's as well. I think I'm the best like like I hate like watching like college basketball. <laughs> because they 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 drive it down the lane, they dish it out, they pass yeah. it around five times. And I think I can like manage all that, you know? <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean um art Art is just one of those things where it's like art is 
a broad spectrum, right? Like it's like, yeah, you can be an artist in whatever field you're in. And it's just like, how do you incorporate the X's and O's with maybe outside interests? I think that's what co-art is. Co-art started as a marketplace. Like we wanted to empower artists, which we do. We give them all the money, all the money that we possibly can. But then we're like, okay, well, let's just empower these other people who have creative talents. Yeah. We're just scared to expose them. We're just so used right. to talking X's and O's, you know? Yeah. And as anyone knows, your playing career doesn't last forever, you know? And to be able <laughs> no. to use your, use your platform to carry on to the next chapter of your career, I think, is very cool. And I think social media allows athletes to do that, to kind of leverage your platform to transition to that next stage. And I think that's what's so interesting about what you're doing is how you are able to now transition so smoothly into that next phase of your life after baseball, um, because you have this other interest and because there's so much more to you than just a baseball player. Yeah. You look at like all these other athletes, like Justin Forsett, for example, with what he's doing, you know, Brian Arapko, you can't see him. You can't turn on TV without. Oh, seeing him. I love Rack. He, I, I covered him. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't turn on TV without seeing his cupcakes. Um, <laughs> so like you, you see these athletes who like just immediately get out of the game and just keep it moving, you know? Yeah. Yep. Like we can't just sit still. We never sat still. You know, <laughs> nope. um, for me, it's like, okay, I, I got a family now. So like, I got, I, I, I got to keep grinding, you know, like, it's yeah. just like, and it's not like a thing for me where it's like, oh, this is a, this is work. It's fun again. You know, right. it's like, I'm in control now. Like, I can do what I want to do and I can make this how I want to make it. I don't know. I, it's really cool to see the dynamic of like different athletes pursuing different passions. Outside. I love it. That's how no, I love it too. Micah, have you? Uh, are you familiar with Didi Gregorius? Yeah, I like it. I like his work. I like his. Yeah. I like his work a lot. He's a good friend of mine, and so I, I, I found out about his work years ago when I covered him, uh, when he just got up into the majors, and that's mm-hmm. the first thing I found out about him was his artwork, and and I, I maybe mean, I became friends with him after that because I did a, a really good story on that because I just thought it was so cool that. He had this other outlet, you know, that he was working on. And, and I just wanted to see if you had come across some of his work. Yeah, of course. Yeah, his work is really good. Uh, his, his creativity and his line work is really, really special. His photography is actually really good, too. I like Didi's work a lot. It's going to be interesting to see Didi when he's done playing. You know, Didi's like one of those guys where like, yeah. you're, like you're like shocked by Didi when you see him, right? Like, right. When I, when I played the Yankees in 2015, uh, I was hurt, so like I, I was like watching. I was hurt, of course, but I was I was watching on the bench, and I was like, "Yo, this dude is like really, really talented." Like, yeah, uh-huh. like people like think he just like can't hit or whatever. But no, this dude is really, really good. Like he's like a yep. like you build a team around that type of guy. Yeah. And then I saw the artwork and like his creativity, and um, like I, I'm a big fan of what he's doing. A huge yep. fan. Yep. I, I thought you might be familiar with him just because he is so much more. He does so much more. So I was like, I thought I'd ask you. Yeah, there's, there's probably there's not, yeah, there's probably not many athletes out there. I don't I don't know what what else they're doing. I like right. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Well, Micah, this has been so great. Thank you so much for joining us and for people that have are listening and 
want to learn more about CoArt, can you tell our listeners the website where they can find your information, social media handles, and things like that? Yeah, I mean, we're at coartapp.com um, and then CoArt app on Instagram. Um, right now, we're kind of featuring some women artists who are kind of blazing the trail for women in the art industry because, uh, frankly, women artists don't get paid as much as men artists. Yeah. Or men well, artists. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, they're losing about 40% of their potential uh, commissions by just being a female. So, Jeez. Wow. yeah, we're kind of highlighting through those women artists. You can find us on there. We're on a platform that's going to just pump art, art, art. We're on a mission to kind of change the whole yep. world. We're not just yep. here to pump art. We don't care about our bottom line. We just care about empowering people, really. That's well, awesome. We, we love it. And we, we appreciate you, your honesty and um, mm-hmm. for joining us today and just kind of learning a different side of, of sports. So we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thanks so much, Micah. All right, ladies, thank, thank you. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com, getethos.com. Well, Kayla, Micah's story is a story that I think sports fans in general need to hear because he just humanized the athlete, in my opinion. You know, he was very vulnerable and open to to who he is and very confident in who he is. You know, he didn't come on here just being a baseball player. He came on here being a human right. and talked about his interests and his story in baseball and his interest and his story and now his budding career in art. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's such an important message because in what we do, obviously we see a lot of these athletes as humans because we're not just around them when they're playing, you know, we kind of see them in the day to day. And I think it's so important for people to see athletes more in that human light and not just someone with a number on their back. Yeah. That's, that's what it's all about. And I think the biggest lesson to learn from a story like this is sports don't always determine who a person is, an athlete is, right? Micah could be an athlete the rest of his life. I mean, he's clearly was good enough to play at the level he played at, but it doesn't define him and it, it doesn't make him just because he was an athlete doesn't mean that's the only thing that he does with his life or that he decided to do with his life. And mm-hmm. I just respect him for the fact that he he looked in the mirror and he said, look, you know what? I, I don't want to be doing what I'm doing at this level anymore. I don't have that passion that I should have. And to accept that and be okay with it and move on 
it, it takes a lot because I, I know a lot of athletes, that's a reason why they don't maybe retire when they should, or they come back or they have just a really difficult time accepting it. So sure. give him credit for really finding a passion other than sports that he can channel his mm-hmm. energy and uh, his love into something. And it's so hard to move on from something like that. When I had to move on from ballet, where I was training 30 plus hours a week, yeah, you know, as a teenager, it's hard because that's all you did your whole life. Right. And it's hard not to just think about it every day or do the routine, you know, pack my dance bag, you know, the, uh, keep track of everything that needs to be um you know, in order. Yeah. And his approach was kind of like, my time has come. It's time to move on. And he exudes this confidence and kind of this peacefulness that he has so much more to offer. Because even for me, I remember that feeling like, okay, well, what do I have to offer? You know, ballet was what I would offer to audiences I would dance for. And he's confident in what he has to offer and knows there's so much life after, after this sport. And I think this is even a great message for athletes you know, and, and I've been loving having these, some of these baseball guests on because people are learning so much about the sport and how tough it is, you know, how he jumped around from so many teams and all that whole minor league system. And these baseball guests have been, have been wonderful. And I'm so glad that we've been able to share all of these different types of stories. Yeah, no. And I think, again, it's just, it's great to have the different perspectives on some athletes that are still playing, some that have retired, and then some who are choosing to go down a different path. So um, I really, again, thank Micah for coming on and hopefully you guys can check out some of his art. It's pretty incredible. So go ahead and check Mm -hmm. him out on Instagram. I know he gave you the handle there, but for our um, podcast moving forward, we're going to do like we always say, kind of sample with some new things. So look out for Ellen and I kind of, I guess, putting out some maybe even bonus episodes of us just doing some breakdowns and things that are a little bit different. We love having our guests on, but we also like to talk X's and O's and like to give our opinions. And we've heard some feedback from some of you and, and, and I know that some of them enjoy the same thing. So we're going to try to dabble with that a little. Can we announce next week's episode? Yeah. Next week, we're bringing you a draft show. I'm so excited. Oh yeah. So following the NFL draft, we're going to have a guest come on to break it all down with us, talk about it. There's definitely going to be winners and losers of the draft, for sure. And I can't wait to get into all of that. Yeah. So make sure to look out for that. Be on the lookout. Go and definitely follow us on social media. And Ella, where can they do all of that and subscribe? Yes. Instagram and Twitter at PressPassPod. Do not forget to follow us. Also, Kayla, I guess we should give our personal handles as well um, for people to keep up with our sports coverage. I'm at Ella Didge, B-I-D-G-E. Kayla? And I am at Kayla Anderson TV. Perfect. And then if you're listening on iTunes, please press the subscribe button. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will be here, same place, and uh, similar time next week. And we can't wait. So hopefully you guys enjoy the draft. And we'll see you later. Have a great week.